And yet, at first, people needed to know more. Somehow, it was not enough that a boy barely in his teens was able to change the world. Somehow, it had to be known why the world could change at just that moment, why it could not have changed a moment sooner, what Trevor brought to that moment, and why it was the very thing that moment required. And that, unfortunately, is the part I can't explain. I was there. Every step of the way, I was there. But I was a different person then. I was looking in all the wrong places. I thought it was just a story. And the story was all that mattered. I cared about Trevor, but by the time I cared about him enough, it was too late. I thought I cared about my work, but I didn't know what my work could really mean until it was over. I wanted to make lots of money. I did make lots of money. I gave it all away. I didn't know who I was then, but I know who I am now. Trevor changed me, too. I thought Reuben would have the answers. Reuben St. Clair, the teacher who started it all. He was closer to Trevor than anybody except maybe Trevor's mother, Arlene. So, after the fact, when it was my job to write books about the movement, I asked Reuben two important questions. What was it about Trevor that made him different? The thing about Trevor was that he was just like everybody else, except for the part of him that wasn't. Then I asked, when you first handed out that now-famous assignment, did you think that one of your students would actually change the world? No, I thought they all would, but perhaps in smaller ways. I'm becoming someone who asks fewer questions. Not everything can be dissected and understood. Not everything is a simple answer. The most important thing I can add from my own observations is this. Knowing it started from unremarkable circumstances should be a comfort to us all. Because it proves that you don't need much to change the entire world for the better. You can start with the most ordinary ingredients. You can start with the world you've got. Reuben. January 1992. The woman smiled so politely that he felt offended. Let me tell Principal Morgan that you're here, Mr. St. Clair. She'll want to talk with you. He should have been used to this by now. More than three minutes later, she emerged from the principal's office, smiling too widely. People always display far too much acceptance, he'd noticed, when they are having trouble mustering any for real. Go right on in, Mr. St. Clair. She'll see you. The principal appeared to be about ten years older than he, with a great deal of dark hair, worn up, a Caucasian, and attractive. And attractive women always made him hurt, literally, a long pain that started high up in his solar plexus and radiated downward through his gut, as if he had just asked this attractive woman to the theater, only to be told, you must be joking. We are so pleased to meet you face to face, Mr. St. Clair. 
She flushed, as if the mention of the word face had been an unforgivable faux pas. Please, call me Reuben. Reuben, yes, and I'm Anne. She motioned toward a chair and he sat. I'm not quite what you were expecting, am I, Anne? She tried to establish eye contact, as one normally would when addressing a co-worker in conversation, but she could not make it stick. Reuben spoke. It is human nature to form a picture of someone in your mind. You read a resume and an application, and you see I'm 44, a black male, a war veteran with a good educational background, and you think you see me. And because you're not prejudiced, you hire this black man to move to your town, teach at your school. But now I arrive to test the limits of your open mind. It's easy not to be prejudiced against a black man because we have all seen hundreds of those.